listening to Alcoholics Anonymous Alive. Here are your co-hosts, Shank and Wayne. So Shank, it looks like we made it through our first two episodes. Congratulations. Unscathed. Yeah. Yeah. I want to thank everybody that's been listening and for all of the comments, suggestions, and feedback we've been getting. We really appreciate that. Just a reminder that we are uh, members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but none of us on the podcast get paid to do this. We don't charge for the podcast and none of us speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. We're just here to share our experience and uh, hopefully that somebody can get something out of that that will help them to stay sober and grow spiritually. We do a kind of couple solution and some structure with some humor. So hopefully everybody can can appreciate that. Shank, what you up to? Well, I'm just ready to get started with our guest today. I've had an AA pack day and I'm pretty excited to be sitting here with Tammy. Um, So let's get started. Let's get to it. Yeah, we're calling her TZ. No, we got her already. TZ. TZ. Tammy, Tammy, how how are you? How? What's going on? I'm good. Thanks, guys. Uh, Before I forget, I just want to really thank you guys for inviting me to to join your podcast. Uh, It's a new venture and... Uh, I was thinking that I bet between the two of you, you know, like 9 million, you know, sober people and, you know, to be invited on episode three, I was like, I am so excited. (laughs) Yeah. Fantastic. So, uh, so I look forward to seeing what you guys do uh, with the podcast, but uh, my name is Tammy and I'm alcoholic and uh, glad to be here. Uh, My sobriety date is December 10th, 1995, uh, which uh, if you don't feel like doing the math, the last sobriety anniversary, I celebrated was my 27 year sobriety anniversary nice um it's awesome uh, well that wasn't the plan i don't know what y'all's plan was uh when you got here but it certainly wasn't my plan to stick around this long uh my plan uh was to get all of these felony charges and all of the (laughs) trouble that i had gotten into taken care of uh part of which was me going to places that talked about uh alcohol little stint in prison Uh, meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. That was all part of my punishment. Yeah. Uh, the plan yeah. was never. The plan was never to stick around. Like never to stick around. Uh, it just happened. It happened. And uh, certainly, so many things in my life. I say when I look back, like how glad I am things unfolded the way that they did. Now, um, I will never say that I'm glad uh, that what brought me here happened, um, because that's just something that will never. Uh, come out of my mouth. Um, I'm I'm a just a, a serial drunk driver, and it is what um, you know caused me to get here. Uh, when I was 23 years old, I was a drunk driver who caused a horrible car accident, and a woman died in that car accident, and three other people were very badly injured. And as a result of that, I was charged with some felonies in the state of Texas. Um, got a long sentence. Uh, long probated sentence. And again, I had to do a stint in prison and a whole bunch of alcohol related stuff. And, um, you know, when I say that today, I can look back and say, like, how much evidence does one need to see the insanity and the alcoholism? But at the time I was 23 and I thought everything was just fine. This was just a little thing that could have happened to anybody. It happened to me. It could have happened to anybody. It doesn't make me an alcoholic. Uh, I, because I wasn't right. 
And um, so really my introduction to Alcoholics Anonymous was because of this trouble I got into. Um, and now when I look back, I'm so glad that I had a really long time that I was mandated to come here because I needed a while to relate and to get to all that step one stuff that you guys talked about last week, right? To really understand yeah. the powerlessness and really understand the unmanageability and where it had taken my life. And to say, you know what, I do belong here and I want what you have. It took me a while to get there. And when I look back, I'm really glad that it happened, that I had to stay for a while until I finally wanted to stay. Do you find that a lot of people, when you tell your story or they hear kind of what happened, because I can relate to it so much. And uh, I will say, like, I've just always really respected the way that you talk about how you arrived to AA, because it was a long time before I was willing to seek out other women who had been through something similar to me. I just had a lot of fear about it. But do you find that people, you know, kind of come up to you and you're like, oh, it could have been me. It could have been me. You know, kind of what's your response to that? Um, and I almost told my story by saying, just listen to what Susie said on the <laughs> podcast a few ago, right? Because yeah. I mean, we have a lot of similarities in our stories, you know, differences, obviously, in our experience, but, you know, a lot of similarities. But um. <clears throat> I'll give you, I'll give you some meeting shrapnel. <laughs> All right. Hey, yes. <laughs> Going <laughs> in quick. <laughs> okay. This is just mine. This is just mine. Uh, I don't think it says, uh, you know, somebody will correct me if it's somewhere in the literature, but so what I hear probably most often is uh, there before the grace of God, right? Yes. That people say that to me and I don't think that's in the book. Now it does talk about God's grace and it talks about grace in the book. I know it does, but not in that fashion. And um, you know, I've heard some of the most incredible things, um, sharing, uh, the story sometimes. And some of the most beautiful things that I've ever heard, um, are people who have lost someone, uh, in a drunk driving car accident Absolutely. and how they said they didn't want to stay and hear the rest of the story, you mm -hmm. know, because they immediately were like, you know, she's one of them. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's almost a very healing thing for me and a very healing thing for them to have that moment where they say, I lost somebody and then thank me for sharing. Right. It's just a very healing moment to have that with people. Um, but I've also had people come up that share our story or a similar type story. Right. And uh, they, they struggle. A lot of people really, really struggle because I think there's a level of forgiveness that a lot of people can't get to when they've done something similar to what we've done. And I think it's all in the steps, right? I, I can't believe I didn't think yeah. of that shrapnel because it's, uh, I mean, <laughs> Jerry can tell you, it is one of my biggest complaints, whatever you want to call it, resentments is when people are talking about you know, well, I came in and I had 25 felonies and I worked the steps and found God and they all went away. And I'm just like, that's not what happened. Money happened. Okay. Like, <laughs> it's fine. I'm glad you didn't have to go through, you know, prison or the court system or any of that. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, good for them. If, I mean, everybody's experience is different, right? And, Absolutely. Yeah. But <clears throat> Well, we are so glad that you're here. This is our 
third podcast, it is step two. So step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So, you know, what was your experience maybe when you were new with step two? Did you have a problem with like the capital P power uh, greater than ourselves? Did you understand sanity or insanity? You know, what was your experience kind of first coming in with that? So to talk about early sobriety was probably um, because I would balked at everything in early sobriety, right? Um, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wasn't powerless. I wasn't unmanageable. I was doing just fine. Thank you very much. Right. And so if I can't get past that step, what's the purpose of any of the rest of them? Right. But, but I read them. And certainly when I, when, when it started talking about powers and God, I'm, I'm super balking at this point. Like I'm, I'm balking on every level and I'm, I'm not balking. I'm bristling. Actually, mm. I'm, I'm bristling. And, um, and it talks in, in the 12 and 12, the companions of the big book, um, you know, about a few types of people and some of them really fit me like the intellectually self-sufficient man or woman, you know, they should have just put my picture like right there <laughs> beside it. Right. Cause it talks about me. And, uh, I was almost one of those people that y'all talked about in an earlier podcast that I was all borderline too smart for AA, right? Yeah. Like borderline. And, um, thank God I had to stay for a little while. Uh, to realize I really know nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and so, Being confined you know, help with that, huh? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. It definitely. There's a certain level of humility and confinement that not everybody yep. can understand. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Preach. <laughs> uh-huh. So, um, yeah, so early days, you know, I was just too smart for this. And uh, I had a whole bunch of preconceived ideas and preconceived notions that I drug in here with me about what what God meant and um, you know, when you talked about God, I heard religion. You didn't say that. Don't misunderstand me. You didn't say that. <laughs> I heard that. Right. I heard you say, you know, all that stuff that I heard as a little girl that was not for me. And that's where I turned into kind of one of the other ones it talks about as the belligerent one. Right. I mean, I was borderline belligerent with the whole idea of just don't talk to me about God. Like, just don't just don't talk to me about powers and God. And if that's the solution, then we have a bigger problem. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so definitely bristling and balking at the whole idea early days. No doubt. Absolutely. So when did that change for you? Did you just kind of say, all right, I'm finally just going to do this. I'll pretend like I believe in something or I'll lie and say, I believe, uh, I know I'm maybe insane. Like was the, was the sanity part difficult for you as well? Uh, definitely. So, so one of my favorite stories in the big book is the jaywalker. Like who, who can't love the jaywalker? Like Mm -hmm. the jaywalker story is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I mean, but one of the last lines of the jaywalker is you may think our story is ridiculous or outrageous. I can't remember what word they use. And I'm like, it's pretty ridiculous and outrageous. Right. But, (laughs) but is it, (laughs) but is it, that's exactly right. Yeah. So as much as I love the Jaywalker story, the Jaywalker story really talks a lot about um, doing the same thing and going back and again, right? And and for me, I was 23 and I had honestly never tried to quit drinking. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't that I had tried and, and went back and tried and went back. And so that was part of the self-delusion that I had, you know, I would hear everybody in the rooms talk about you know, relating and, and the, that insanity. And so I thought, well, I just, I'm I'm not insane. I haven't (laughs) done all that. Right. (laughs) Um, oh, oh, but 
So that's Tammy's self-delusion. So the reality is, is I had done it a million times. I just never got caught and I never got in any trouble. Right. Like I don't, I'm not sure how many times I got pulled over driving drunk. There were just never any consequences. Right. There were never consequences by the police. There was everything that happened. Uh, I was young. I would get told to go home, little girl. I would get told to pull over to the next coffee shop, get a cup of coffee, sober up and then drive home. You know, that's all I would get told. So I was literally doing the same thing, but the consequences were never such that they deterred me from doing it again. So I, I had a hard time seeing the insanity for a while. So no reason to stop, huh? Sure. Why? (laughs) Why would you? So when did that, when did that, that power, like when in step two, you know, were you able to see like, how sober were you when you were finally just like, okay, fine, I'll try, I guess. Yeah. I wish I could remember stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. you know, you know, so many times I can't remember when things happened. Uh, What I know is that part of the reason I'm so glad that I had to come to AA for so long as part of my quote unquote punishment was because I got to hear your stories. Right. And there are many people who struggled with this concept coming in. Not everybody. Some people come in and have an idea and roll with it and life is good and it just goes. But uh, there are a lot of people who didn't have that experience and people who didn't have that experience shared that experience with me that you know, the whole idea that I can choose my own concept of a higher power. It doesn't have to be that preconceived idea I drug in here with me. It doesn't have to include all those prejudices I drug in here with me against, um, you know, any certain religion. And so uh, what happened is I listened to you guys, right? I listened to you guys. And one of the first things that I remember, and I, if I had to guess, I would say I was probably five, seven years sober, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard a woman at a meeting share a story about how she would often uh, have a difficult time shutting off uh, recollections that popped into her mind about her drinking and just terrible things that she had done. And so one time what she did is while she was having this recollection of something, she just stopped and said, instead of trying to push it away, she said, God, walk through this with me, Right. And I remember one time, I remember thinking that was very interesting. And I remember one time laying in bed and these recollections of my past drinking were going through my minds and my behavior was awful when drinking. Mm -hmm. There was plenty of stories, you know, that could run through my mind that were just, you know, really awful behavior. And one of these incidents started running through my mind. And I remembered her saying that. And I said, I said, instead of shutting my eyes really tight and trying to wish it away and will it away, which is what I would do before. I said, God, walk through this with me, you know, and all I can tell you that happened is like a bright light filled my vision instead of that memory of that awful behavior. And that type of thinking sort of left me after that, you know, and so you guys sharing your stories and tips with me, help me say, maybe there's something to this. And it can be different than that idea I came in here with, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think for uh, several women that I've sponsored along the way, it almost seems like choosing your own conception of a power 
is too simple. Like to your point, you were like maybe too smart when you came in here. It just seems too simple. Uh, Do you believe that it's too simple? Like what is the difference kind of in that belief versus the faith? You know, especially talking about step two, it's just kind of like, hey, came to believe it's a process, you know, like I just need to believe I don't necessarily have to have faith yet that anything's going to happen. I just need to move forward. And I, you know, so I'm always curious if it's just that it's too simple because in AA, we talk about, you know, it's, it's simple, not easy. There's some meeting shrapnel. (laughs) I'm going to make a note of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so early days, it probably was too simple for me to understand, no doubt, right? Mm-hmm. Because I can complicate just about anything. Um, today, um, the idea of everything being that simple, like resonates with me, you know, on mm-hmm. every level. I have to, I can't overcomplicate this God thing because I can overthink and overcomplicate anything, right? And Um, so for me, it has to stay that simple with a concept like that, you know, no doubt it has to stay very, very simple for me. I'm not sure I answered your question. I hope I did. Yeah. When, well, when I arrived here, you know, I kind of had the opposite experience where I was like, you know, it was explained to me, like, you know, if you had childhood faith, it doesn't have to be that, you know, we're not anti-religion, but we're not religious. And I was just, you know, at that point when I arrived to AA, I was like, you know what? I will take back my childhood faith. I have no problem with that. And I had walked away from it, you know, growing up. And I was like, that's, uh, that will be it for me. That's fine. And when it was explained to me, like you choose your own conception, I'm like, well, I don't know how to do that. So I'll just default back to what I knew growing up and hopefully I can get sober and figure it out later. Um, Like I had no issues with it being simple. I definitely would not have been too smart when I arrived here. I was just like, help, (laughs) you know, please help me. Yeah. And it seems that a lot of people also, when you tell them that they can have their own conception, they don't believe you. It's like, they're Mm -hmm. afraid to actually believe that. Oh, you mean really? I can do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think, and they're, they're even scared probably, especially if they've been kind of in certain religions, you know, that, that teach one way. They, they're probably scared to actually think that they can do that. Well, um, you walked around I, with a pocket New Testament, so. I, I did. I preached to a lot of people with that New Testament. <laughs> did, didn't believe or understand any of it, but I but I did it. And uh, I know when, um, I think we agnostics in the big book is just one of the greatest chapters in the book. And I mean, it almost like it opens the door for anybody to really find faith or to find sobriety and the idea of, Hey, you can choose your own concept. You can lay aside what you were taught or what other people know or have taught you. And for me, it, it, it really opened the door for, for me to believe in something. And I mean, I, I was confused when I got here just about religion and stuff and really didn't know. I said a lot of stuff, but I didn't know anything about anything. And I, I was a guy when the concept was, Hey, just start simple and start with your own concept. I just kind of went with it. I didn't, I didn't understand any of it and I was full of doubt and, and still confusion, but I just kind of moved forward. 
But I think that that idea does, it really opens the door. It's probably one of the reasons that AA is so successful. You yeah. really think about it, that it opens the door for anybody to, to, to come here. Yeah. What, what, what about like sanity versus insanity? Because I've heard so many times, you know, that this is talking about the insanity of the first drink. So, I mean, is that true? Like, what's the deal with that? I love just being kind of like the baby on the podcast so I can you, just ask questions. You mean it's not talking about all that crazy stuff I did with the farmer's daughter? I was just told really early on uh, that it was not about any of that. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that I was in legal trouble. It wasn't that I committed crimes. It wasn't, you know, that I had to miss work for two weeks or any of that. They were like, uh, yeah, plenty of people do all those things and don't quit drinking. You know, So like that's not or some do, but that has nothing to do with what this step is talking about. What do you think, TZ? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think we'll, we'll go back to the jaywalker, right? That I somehow think yeah. that this time when I do it, it's going to be different, right? Well, somehow, I somehow think that, uh, that I can have just one or I can drink like a normal person. And I think, you know, um, that's the insanity is me thinking that, um, I, I heard in a, in a study one time that the definition of insanity is, I mean, I'm sorry, not insanity. The definition of sanity is soundness of mind. Mm. right and making sound decisions and so then uh insanity would by default be you know not having a sound mind and not making sound decisions and um and so yeah i think it, it definitely um resonates that uh that i think that somehow i think that this time i'm not going to do all those same disgusting behaviors that i did you know, the day before, or the day before that this time when I drink, it's going to be different that this time I can just have one or uh, one or two or whatever it is. Right. And I'm not going to drink until I black out and pass out and get in my car, or your car, or whoever's car and drive. Right. That it's somehow going to be different this time. And it never was for me. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You, you got any experience with, with being insane, Shank? Well, I mean, I do, but not necessarily as it relates here. You know, my I also did not ever, how I controlled my drinking was by controlling my work schedule because I knew that when I was off work, I was just going to drink all day. That's just what I did. And I was 24 when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, So the way I controlled my drinking was by working 12, 13 hours one day and then having a day off from work and then working 12 or 13 hours. And on my day off from work, it was just known that I was going to wake up and start drinking. You know, I had periods of time that I wouldn't drink, you know, and so I don't know that it was in my mind that I was an alcoholic or not. I just didn't care. So when I arrived here and they're talking about like, trying to control your drinking. Well, yeah, I could kind of understand that, but I really believed that the insanity or being brought back to sanity meant that I was going to live the rest of my life in prison and be kind of okay with it and not have to get a girlfriend. Jake, we lost your audio there just for a minute. Nuts. Yeah. You were just getting to the real good part about not getting a girlfriend while you were in prison. (laughs) I mean, and it just kind of, it went out. What'd you say after that? 
Well, I just thought that like being <laughs> brought back to sanity would mean that I didn't have to do those things that I didn't right. have to, that I wouldn't have to get a girlfriend or I wouldn't have to join a gang or like yeah. I could just live and be okay. Being happy was just like not in the forefront of my mind at all. You know, I just felt like such a piece of crap um, that I, I didn't think I deserved to ever be happy again, to be quite honest. Yeah. So it was more of, I'm going to be able to get through this, I guess, and kind of be okay. And I knew that I wasn't supposed to date in the first year. So getting a girlfriend was probably out, but I wasn't sure. Um, and I did not date my first year. I do want to make that known. Uh-oh. Yeah. No. So. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really thought that that's what that meant initially. But I had an old timer as a sponsor and she just said, honey, that is not what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That stuff will get restored. All that other stuff will get restored if we start living right and and, and taking those steps. The um, the interesting thing about step two to me in the big book is, I guess, in, in the actual taking of the step, how we've used the word simple already, how simple it is. Yeah. If, if, because it's really one question, I think, in, in there it says, do I do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there's a power greater than myself? So if you're going to take the step and, and you believe that that's the question for the step, then you don't even have to like fully believe anything because there's a kind of an out in there. Are you willing to believe that there's a power greater than yourself? Yeah. And that's, um, I mean, I think after that it says if a person can, can say they do believe or they're willing to believe, then we can assure them they're on their way that that probably opens the mind just enough to, to move forward. Um, which I think really is probably one of the, the keys to step two is just, is keeping an open mind and trying to to quit arguing or, or, you know, debating everything and just. Well, and I've know. been in big book studies where it's like, Oh, on certain steps. And this is one of them where it's like, it's too vague in the big book. And you know, I always love that too, because I'm like, it's pretty direct to me. You know, there's some, there's a pretty direct question and I know that it's difficult for some, but I do love how simple it is. Yeah. Well, we like analyzing stuff and we want to understand things before we do it. And really on step two, I mean, you, you, you can't understand it or you can't have the experience without taking the action coming to believe like you said earlier it's a process that comes as we move forward with the rest of the of the program what does step two look like for you today tammy yeah so it's changed a lot over the years for sure and you know just to interject real quick i feel like uh what what jerry just mentioned about having the open mind i do think that's such a a vital um I mean, that's, that's like the solution to this step for me, right. Is just to have an open mind and be a little bit willing. And, um, and it, it talks about that and lay aside those prejudices. Like one yeah. of my favorite lines in the big book is that I miss the beauty of the forest because of the ugliness of some of the trees. Like it's literally, <laughs> it's like, it's brilliant. Like, yes, because yeah. I had all these preconceived ideas and notions that were, you know, making everything ugly when anyway, that's not the point. Um, 
So, <laughs> That's all right. Roll with it. <laughs> so, I mean, but it gives me so many of those solutions. Have the open mind. And, you know, the other literature talks about how I can take it piecemeal, which uh, you just talked about. We just open the door, right? And it just grows from there. And, um, you know, th- today, uh, the whole idea for me is is kind of like what we talked about. It's 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 just very simple that, you know, I've identified the problem and now we start talking about the solution and step two. And the solution is the first thing is that I have to come to believe in this higher power and, um, and understand the insanity of my drinking and, and my decisions and then go from there. But, um, you know, my, my idea of all of it today is, is very, very simple. And, um, I find, I find that my coming to believe has involved, evolved into, a pretty solid belief, right? Like what that looks like has changed over the years, right? Like it started out with that preconceived idea that I got rid of. And then I had that experience where I saw a bright light and, and it just almost gets more and more simple the longer (laughs) I stay, right? It just, it just becomes like, I don't need anything fancy. Like you know, sometimes today it's a couple of things for me. Like I have a membership to the North Carolina Arboretum and I'll go there and I'll hike. And there's this little spot where I can just sit on a bench and there's this stream and these trees and I can sit there and I can close my eyes. And it's almost like I can just feel God oh, and he doesn't that. look like anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And almost every time I sit there, whether I'm having a good day or a bad day or whatever day, I almost cry, just cry almost every time just yeah. because there's this overwhelming sense. Right. And it doesn't look like anything. And, um, you know, and then there are times where I can see just this belief in, in nature and, and what it looks like. And, Um, And it's just evolved into just a very simple kind of feeling belief. I no longer think it has to really look like anything, you know, it doesn't, it's just, it's just evolved into a, a feeling sometimes and just a solid belief that God is there. Well, do you believe that you've been restored to sanity? I'm pretty sure the book tells me if I make it to a certain point mm-hmm. <laughs> somewhere around like step 10, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, ah, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, just the idea of uh, me not thinking a drink is going to make anything better in my life, which, you know, I haven't had that thought in a long time. Right. Um, you know, the drinking is the first thing that goes, that, that goes, you know, but from there, it doesn't mean that every other aspect of my life is manageable. Some parts aren't. And um, maybe no. some insane decisions and in other aspects of mm-hmm. my life not related to drinking, you know? And um, and so there are lots of layers and growth that happen after that. So uh, I think there's constant, you know, ways to become more sane or to find that sanity it starts sure with the drinking, but I think then it becomes other aspects of my life too, that I find maybe I haven't found the sanity yet that the program allows me to continue to learn, to grow, to take that initial belief and build on it and find that sanity in those areas as well. Gary, yeah. where are you? Yeah, that, your power. Well, that Jay Walker story, if you carry that out, it can apply to anything. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it can apply to any kind of life problem that we that we struggle with. I um well today, if we look into we agnostics, there's another statement in it that says God is either everything or He's nothing. Mm-hmm. What's my choice to be? I would go right now, this minute, with God is everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as Tammy was talking, I've, you know, I've tried a lot of stuff spiritually. I've had a lot of different experiences and beliefs that have come and gone and were, I guess, maybe disproven <laughs> and uh, throughout the years. And, I, you know, I carry that New Testament around with me. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I got to be called the Bible Belt Old Timer. That's right. Uh, yeah. Um, and, but, and so even in sobriety, I've had lots of times where I've intellectually, I've had like doubt or questions or, I mean, what is all this about? Or even like things that I were thought were just 100% gospel turned out not to be. And I realized that. Um, and even times where I've maybe was borderline, I hate to say this, but agnostic, sober. Mm-hmm. And, but in ter- that, was, that was more intellectually. Internally, there was always something there that, that I knew was helping me stay sober. And the, the, the fact is, is that ever since the day that I got sober, I've been sober. And something changed prior to July 2nd. When I got sober, I could not stay sober no matter what. I mean, I tried. They say don't. Well, I think that's meeting shrapnel. Don't drink no matter what. Yeah. Well, well, I drink no matter what. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I drink no matter what's going on. And ever since the day that something happened to me walking down the road, and I, you know, had that moment of clarity, I've been sober ever since. Something has kept me sober through everything that life has thrown at me and through all the doubt and confusion that I've had in my mind. So there's some, sometimes that I've actually defined that it's, right now. I, it's a power. I don't know what else to say other than something's there. Have either of y'all had a time in your sobriety where you just feel like God is nothing. You know, I've, I've had times where I've had doubt, misunderstanding. I've had things happen in sobriety. I've never to this point thought that a drink sounded good. Um, but, you know, I also haven't been to that point where I'm just like, God is nothing. Uh, so have either, either of you all experienced that since being sober? I've been close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When, uh, I don't know, I was three or four years sober. My wife left for somebody else and I was stealing money from work and I'm living in this little apartment and bills didn't get paid and the lights were turned out and I'm in there by myself. And I sure had a lot of thoughts of, man, God, if this is, is this is what you're going to do to a guy that's been sober for three or four years and I've been doing your will and everything <laughs> I've done. I mean, come on. what? <sighs> what uh, but again, even I guess the, so, so I had those thoughts, but I guess this is the way to put it. I never thought about drinking. Mm-hmm. So I guess in that, the the problem had been removed the insanity of the first drink and the obsession to take a drink had been removed because through all those things, I, I never, I never considered drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I may have considered ending my life at around that time, 
Yeah. Um, or hurting somebody else, but I never thought about <laughs> drinking. So. Sammy, have you been at that, at that place where you just feel like God is nothing? Was it brief? Have you never had that? I mean, I would say definitely in early sobriety, there was, you know, while I was struggling to try to find something that I believed in, there were probably times. And, um, I think I, I remember instances where I would suddenly just get too smart for everything again, you know, and I would have these really brilliant moments where, uh, I would intellectualize everything and say, you know, I think it was really just a big mistake that I'm here. I think, I mean, come on peeps. I was 23. I drank really seriously drank for probably a good three years, maybe five total. Right. Like, I think we overreacted a little bit with this. I'm an alcoholic <laughs> thing and I need to be here. Right. I think, I think maybe we over, and I would go through periods where I would start thinking, you know, things like that. And I think those kind of thoughts I've shoved God out, right? Like God has become nothing because I have suddenly taken over, you know, yeah. the whole situation. I've suddenly taken over and decided that Tammy knows best. Right. And I think I couldn't describe that as anything but me making a decision that God is nothing right now. And I somehow know better and I should take back over control because mm-hmm. we really just overreacted. Right. Um, I think since maybe those times, which, you know, I'm not sure when that started or stopped, but um, I don't think I've thought God is nothing. Um and, and it's almost kind of almost gone the opposite direction for me, like the faith and trust that I've built in my life from continuing to do these things, um, continuing to work the steps. Obviously, we talk about it in step 11, which I assume y'all get to, you know, to continue to build that relationship. Um, uh, last year, a little less than a year ago, I went through a few months that were just a really dark time. I just mm-hmm. just was in a really dark place. And um had this really interesting struggle with my head saying the whole time I I never lost the belief in my head. I knew, I knew logically God was there. I was fine. It would be fine. Everything was fine. But my heart was really struggling to believe my head. And I had this disconnect, right? And And it's almost like I feel like the faith was stronger and not, not less because, Mm -hmm. because I always knew it would be okay. I knew it wasn't going to happen on my time because (laughs) my time was yesterday. Right. Um, But I, I knew, I knew the whole time. Um, It just, it just took me walking through all of that to kind of get everything to line back up so that my heart believed my head and we were all back in alignment um, and I actually think that whole thing strengthens kind of my idea that God is everything. Yeah, stuff like that will definitely deepen your faith. Now, Shank, you're the self-described baby. You've pulled this on two episodes. <laughs> that that does not exempt you from things. Oh, are you sure? So now I'm positive. So before oh. we before we go into meeting shrapnel, uh-huh. what what do you believe right now? I mean, what what what's what step two mean to you? You know, I've done several things um, throughout my sobriety. 
I, you know, like I said, I was really willing to kind of take back that childhood faith. And I did that for quite a while. You know, I did have some prison religion going on and it served me well. It served me well. Um, But, you know, I, and I think I've said this too, I thought I'd missed out on so much AA when, when I got out of prison that, you know, I tried so much just to find that power, to find like my unique higher power. I wrote, you know, like, I don't know, a sponsor told me to write a list of what I would want in a best friend. And then she said, that's your higher power. And you know, that, that was, those were all really amazing (laughs) qualities and there was nothing wrong with that. Um, but it just didn't work for very long. You know, I'd go to the list and be like, well, what, what the heck, you know, like this doesn't seem very compassionate, why is this happening to me? Um, so I have kind of waffled a little bit, but today, you know, I just, similar to what both of you all have said, you know, I, I love being in nature. I love going outside and hearing the birds and I get like really into being outside and things like that. And I just know that there is something greater than me, you know, and I have gone, um, to religion. I really explored um, both of the religions I grew up with. And one is like actually a cult, but like I got the book and I was reading it and there's what I love that AA has taught me is I can see all of the good things um, that people say that maybe on the whole, I don't agree with, like there's usually something, but I can say like these people are going out and helping people, you know, I can see that in other people and not just completely shut it down. And I do, even though I'm not strictly religious, um, I do always like to say that AA is not anti-religion. That's right. Because I I hear in a lot of meetings, like I'm a recovered, insert this faith here. And I just cringe, even if it's not my faith, because there may be someone in the room that it is their faith and they still should be able to get sober and Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, uh, you want to move on to meeting shrapnel? Let's hit it. All right. What is our, um, so for anybody listening on meeting shrapnel, we just kind of look at, uh, things in Alcoholics Anonymous that are sayings or slogans, or maybe have turned into, rituals or lore and we just kind of talk about it and see if we uh, should keep it or not keep it (laughs) (laughs) or or to say if it's aa or not aa so what's the first one shank all right up first we have using the doorknob as your higher power which you know i i i've heard actually recently of just like you know anything greater than you can be that doorknob um we heard that the other night in the, in the meeting, didn't we? In the home we group. Yeah. We did. And I'm just like, I'm going to go up and, and touch that doorknob. It seems too personal. I don't know. It seems like <laughs> odd. A little. Um, Tammy, what what do you think? Using the doorknob as your HP. Do you hear that? I've definitely heard it. Yeah. yeah. I think I literally just heard yesterday morning somebody talk about um, using a chair. So it was a similar, you know, type yeah. of concept. And uh <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know that it worked for me. I know the book talks about using the group, you know, the, mm-hmm. the group is kind of the first um, power that you could find if you're struggling with this or something. But 
so my position uh, on these kind of things is I'm pretty sure that's not in our literature, right? But, mm -hmm. uh, but, but I really think that some things, as silly as they seem, that's like the best people can do, mm -hmm. you know? Like the story I heard about the woman using the chair, I was like, okay, well, that wouldn't have worked for me. Um, and I also think it's along the lines, and I've heard you guys talk about this before, that you know, fear is what kept me here early days, but fear won't keep me sober forever. Mm -hmm, right. Yeah. And I think that type of idea may get you there to open the door just a little bit, but it won't keep you there you mm -hmm. know, for sure. Right. Now, see, I can steal the chair and break it or burn it. So <laughs> I, I just, I just don't know how that would work for somebody. Mm -hmm. I, I think I, I get the, the, the concept here and what they're getting at they're trying to keep it simple and they're they're trying probably to get people to open their minds up and say hey you can believe in anything and i guess if we believe what the book says then technically you could have a doorknob as your higher power i will say uh, that there were a couple years in there when i um uh, went to a big book study and it was just drilled in that this was not it. And when I would hear it in meetings, I would go up to that person after and be like, let me show you all of these things in the book. Let me talk to you about why that is crazy. And let me help you get a higher power. And that's also not the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, I think it won't last long if you believe in a doorknob as your higher power. Or the chair, yeah. I guess. Or the chair. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to keep that one or scrap it. Scrap it. Scrap it. I think Tammy's going to keep it. It's out of here. <laughs> keeping it, Tammy? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you can keep it. No, scrap. I definitely don't want to keep yeah. that one. All right. What's the next one? Don't drink Next no matter up, what. Next up, we have don't drink no matter what. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What do you think? Well, on that one, I I mean, well, I've I heard. Think maybe, I mean, go ahead. I've heard this ever since I got sober. I've never understood mm -hmm. it. Even as a new person, it just never, it never made sense to me. Um. I may have been guilty of saying it early on to people, but I, I, if you, if you believe what we just talked about and if you believe in the jaywalker story and the, the mental obsession about the illness, um, if we could drink no matter what, we wouldn't need alcohol Simons. If we could, mm -hmm. uh, if we could not drink no matter what, we wouldn't need alcohol Simons. We wouldn't need a power grid in ourselves. We wouldn't need a spiritual awakening because we, we could just quit drinking. So I, I don't know, yeah. You know, I mean, I, t to me, it doesn't make it doesn't make much sense, and it, yeah, it's scary to me. Well, Tammy, I know your story well, and I know that that probably didn't work for you. Yeah, it reminds me a lot, actually, of the one y'all talked about before. Like, just put the plug in the jug. It, it feels mm -hmm. like a very similar like concept, right? If it was really that easy, why would we need the program, right? And uh, I was talking to somebody just the other day, and uh, they're not—they're not one of us. They're not in a program, but they were talking about a friend of theirs. I don't—I just don't understand why he can't just quit drinking. He didn't use this terminology, right? This is stuff that we hear in meetings. But he was like, "I just don't 
don't understand why he can't see the problems it's causing and why he just can't. And I said, well, you clearly don't understand alcoholism, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. if I could willpower through everything, like, I'd be great, right? But um, that just isn't how it works. I, I just don't have enough willpower to willpower through just don't drink no matter what, right? Like, <laughs> um, and it, it talks a lot, too, or, or about how we, we drink for anything, right? I drink because times are good. I drink because times yep. are bad. Mm-hmm. Right? So don't drink no matter what. Like, when is that? <laughs> <laughs> it just may be that person is not an alcoholic. Yeah, if they can drink no matter what or you know, don't drink no matter what, they're probably not alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Definitely. What do you want to do? On that you one? want to keep it? Oh, no. I, I want to scrap that one. That's scrapped. That's for out sure. of here. Yeah. Are y'all yeah. going to keep any meeting shrapnel really uh, ever? <laughs> we, uh, I think we I think we've got some on our list that we may end up keeping. There's one on there called "Put the Hearse in Reverse." I love that. I like that. I love putting the hearse in reverse. I'm not sure what it means or how to do it, but I like it has a ring to it. It has a ring yeah. to it. Yeah, slow down the die and the death. Yeah. Oh, uh, what's next? The burning desire. Hmm. So, I... What do you think about that one, Shane? I went to a few meetings, Jay Wayne, that they would say, does anyone have a burning desire? And I just didn't know what it meant. And no one ever said yes. So, I'm... Or, I guess another common term to that is anyone sitting on a drink. Do those mean the same thing? I think they do. You didn't intuitively know what they were talking about when they said burning desire? Well, that means like they really want to share? Like you just I, have something you really want to say? I don't know. That's why like, I'm asking you, you. Like, I don't, if it were a step two meeting and I guess I hadn't heard anyone talk about, I don't know, like what a power greater <laughs> than yourself even was. I might be like, uh, I'll share on, I don't know. Tammy, do you know what a burning desire is? I know how I've heard it used in meetings. Uh, I, I don't know where that came from. I mean, I always wonder like a lot of these things, like some of them, yeah. you know, I, I can identify where they came from. Stuff like this, I'm not sure where this where this came from, but I heard it a lot more uh, back in Texas than I have around here. Now I'm in okay. Western North Carolina, you know, so I'm in a, a little bit different area. So maybe it's, maybe it's regional. I don't know, but I don't hear it too, too much around here, but I heard it a lot in Texas and uh, what I never understood about the burning desire was when we have a meeting, we have a meeting and we open it up to everybody to share for the full, you know, 40, 45, 50 minutes, whatever the time is that you have to share. Like if you wanted to share, you probably should have done it in that 40, 45, That's 50 right. minutes that we just gave everybody to share. Right. You know, and at the end, when you ask if somebody has a burning desire, like why, why didn't you just talk, you know, mm -hmm. before? And I've also seen it where they ask for the burning desire and then somebody just has to talk, you know, raise their hand. And the next thing you know, you're five minutes over the meeting and nobody yes. will stop them. And I'm like, oh, my God, why did we do this? Yes. <laughs> That's the worst. Man, well, they call they call for the burning desire and then some some guy starts giving a fifth step. Oh, and it's like, yes. <laughs> it's eight, yes. 30, you know, 30 minutes past the meeting. Well, what is it? I don't know. I, I've never, this is another one I've never understood. I, I think it's, hey, if you got something that 
you absolutely have to share or now's your time to do it or um it's goofy to me mm-hmm. just to be honest about it well we're, we're scrapping keep, it. Keep it. It's out of here. <laughs> it's out of here. We can't keep that. Come we're on. We're going to scrap the burning desire. Huh? Come on, y'all. We can't okay. keep the burning desire. I don't even uh, know what it means. Yeah, I don't think that many people do know what it means. Yeah. Burning desire. I don't know. We're going to scrap it. It's out of here. Yep. It is out of here. Well, Tammy, do you have a burning desire? <laughs> <laughs> Tammy, we got we got a few more minutes. Tell us what you do. Anybody got a burning desire? That oh, we have, we have time. We're not going to go over and keep everybody late or anything. <laughs> uh, you know, oh. I, was, I, I, I was just thinking just to kind of wrap up, um, you know, how how much step two has really impacted my life, obviously, in Alcoholics Anonymous and in my sobriety and in my program, but how it's really the whole concept of me being open-minded and willing to do the things it took to, to, you know, to that step two talks about is to lay aside all those prejudices, lay aside those preconceived notions, be open-minded, have a truly open mind, Mm -hmm. uh, be a little bit willing, all those things, how they've really permeated my life. And I find that in so many things, like there was a time in my life where I would not read literature outside of AA, like any kind of stuff. I was just like, no, thank you. Right. Mm -hmm. And now I have a routine where I read some outside literature with my sponsor. It's part of how we, you know, one of the things that we do to continue to learn and grow. I do that Mm -hmm. with the girls that I sponsor. We read some outside literature. Uh, I don't bring any of it into any meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? But we do that (laughs) outside. And I've opened my mind to say, you know what? There's a lot of other good stuff out there that we can read together and we can learn and we can talk about this and we can grow together, right? Um, and just all kinds of ideas that, that I have in my mind that, I don't know, maybe my mom told me something when I was three and I held on to it until my adulthood. And can I look at that now and have an open mind that maybe it's not working for me anymore? Maybe there's a, maybe there's a new idea. Maybe there's a new concept or, or why do I believe that? Is it because society believes that or because I believe it? And I really feel like step two and this whole concept of being open-minded to other things has permeated my life in a gazillion good ways. So, yeah, I love that. AA has taught me everything that I know about life. Yes, it has. Yes, it Mm -hmm. has. Even though you're the baby of the bunch. (laughs) That is my preference. Could you tell? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 thank God we've all been restored. If we hadn't been restored, we probably would be drunk. Or wouldn't That's, be here. So that is that, in simple layman terms. Yep. There's a lot of evidence to show that, 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 that process works. So Tammy, we really appreciate you coming on and being with us today and sharing your experience with step two. Well, and just to reiterate how much I appreciate you guys having me here. Like what a yes. wonderful, what a wonderful opportunity. And I so appreciate you guys. Um, Thank you so much. Reaching out and allowing me to have it. So. Yep. And remember we're free. We're free. <laughs> Freedom! Thank you for listening. If you have a suggestion, comment, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsanonymousalive.com. Stay tuned for next week's episode, Step 3 with David F. <laughs>